Welcome to the K2 Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. Every week, I'll be sitting down with a sales executive where they'll share their stories and experiences that produce game-changing results. Let's be honest, sales can be a tough game. I'm sure at some point, you've all delivered a less than stellar demo, been ghosted by a client or two, and sometimes, maybe we did more talking than listening. And that's where I can help. The stories and insights our guests share can be applied to your own business, your territory, or with your team, so you're not reinventing the wheel. Our weekly tactics and strategies help you get out of your head and start creating your own path towards game-changing results. Welcome back to the K2 Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. Now, how many of us after doing a demo actually sit down and watch the game tape and review it and look at where what we did well and where is there an opportunity to, to improve? And I would say not many of us do this. And I had the chance to sit down with Chief Storyteller Nick Capozzi of Demo Stack. And he shared so many tactics, so many techniques. And a lot of them are derived from what he spent 10 plus years working on a cruise ship. And you might think, well, how does that relate to B2B sales? And he draws so many parallels of really holding an audience's attention, engaging them, but keeping that engagement, especially when you have a diverse audience. He had, you know, complete multiculturalism. He had people with different needs, different budgets. And so it really is the same in B2B. Gartner says there's up to 11 people now making a decision. How can we drive consensus? How can we get um, our audience leaning in? How can we engage it? A lot of it's storytelling. And really, you know, when you break down the storytelling, you know, enunciation, articulation, are we using our hands? Are we pausing? Are we speeding up sometimes to really get them excited about what's going to happen next? Are we slowing down to really create that momentum? And to do this, we have to be very intentional. And oftentimes when we're on these demos, we're just thinking about ourselves and we're looking inward and it's just whatever comes out, comes out. And your prospect feels that. And, you know, you're no different than anybody else at that point. So how can we really prepare? And he mentioned a lot about that practice so that we are intentional. We're showing up different. We're customer focused. We're ensuring that everyone's on the same page, that whatever we're sharing, that it's resonating with them. How, how do we know? We're asking them. We're tying it back to the problems they shared. So at the end of the, the call, we're really, we're moving forward. This is our one chance to actually showcase how we solve their problem. And how can we leverage story, body language, all these techniques to do that? And ultimately, you know, provide a, create a feeling for them. Like what emotionally is going to drive them or motivate them to want to move forward with your product. So great conversation. Highly encourage you to take, take notes, uh, listen to it. If you're a sales leader, forward this on to your team. And I would say even for sales leaders, how can you, again, model the behavior for them? How can you show them what good looks like? Can you create a demo of, uh, and record it and show them this is the framework we follow? This is where we insert storytelling. These are the stories we have so that there's, they're prepared. They know when to insert them and, and really give them a playbook to follow so that they can make it their own. So it's not so rigid. It's not so robotic. But when they have that, then they can try it on. They can make it their style and they can show up as their authentic self. So highly encourage you to take a listen. I enjoyed uh, speaking with Nick, a fellow Canadian, always, always nice as well. And I know you'll take tons away from this. On another note, I want to remind you that we have launched the K2 Sales Academy, which is our online sales training for both sales reps and sales leaders. And we will leave a, a one-week trial in the show notes. Give it a shot. Let us know what you think, um, if it's for you or not, and uh, happy to answer any questions. 
you have. So take a listen and thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Now, many of us land into sales by accident, but how many of us can say we transitioned from a cruise ship into sales? And, and you know, my guest today has done that. And, uh, and I think it's a very unique experience, but for, first of all, welcome, uh, Nick Aposi to the podcast. So excited to be here with you. I'm, I'm excited. I'm so happy to talk to a fellow Canadian. I, I never get that opportunity anymore. <laughs> yes. Canucks in the house. I love it. So, you know, I've heard about your background and we're not going to, we're not going to focus on that, but I just wanted to draw the parallels. And I'm just curious at the moment, at the time you're, you know, I'm sure having the time of your life on a cruise ship and you're engaging and you're meeting all these people, but you know, did you think that it would bring you to B2B sales now, like helping tech companies with storytelling, with demos? Um, did you see that correlation or that direct path in the moment or was it kind of hindsight presented itself after the fact? It was, I got lucky is what happened. I was actually, um, I was a seller in the cruise business um, for probably 98% of it, I was in sales, but it was a very B2C sale. So it was like high-end luxury duty-free. So Cartier watches and Chopard jewelry. Um, and I wound up in the tech B2B space by accident because after I transitioned out of cruise, I just started putting content on LinkedIn about what I knew, which was presentation skills and, and how to keep people engaged in a sales mm -hmm. conversation. And it was tech that kind of picked me up. And then these sales leaders started asking me, can you sit in on our demos? And I'm like, sure, I can. Now, understanding what I do about demos, I was not qualified to do that. Um, but it's interesting how it just kind of, it happened uh, happenstance, frankly. Yeah, it, it, very cool. And and you mentioned the word engage there. And, and I think that's a huge part of demos is that the first thing is you have to engage your audience and you really have to know who you're talking about. Um, and I, I feel that's that's missing. But what I want to do is I just want to back up for a moment. And the purpose of today is to really leverage your experience and what you do today at DemoStack and just help people create an experience for their buyers that can help them and motivate them and excite them to move forward after the demo. Like this is our chance to finally pitch and show our solutions. But I, I see in my own practice, a lot of people where they need help. So I really want to make this tactical. And I know you're going to bring a lot of tools, example storytelling to the table. So why don't we just back it up a little bit? And, you know, what are your thoughts on obviously demos important, but, you know, the better is it that the more effective a discovery, the better the demo? So I didn't know much truly until about eight months ago when I started with DemoStack, like how the demo should really go because I had never been trained. I wasn't following the right people. I had never talked to a sales engineer. I didn't know what a sales engineer was. But <laughs> as I dove in head first, there's two areas that I constantly get asked questions and we do workshops about. One is discovery and the other is storytelling. And I don't think if you're trying to customize a story for your prospect or persona that you can give a great story if you don't understand their real pain points. And that comes down to really good discovery. And that's definitely a weakness. And I think that's a weakness for sellers, but it's definitely a place that sales engineers or, or solopreneurs understand that they need to ask really good questions, but they don't necessarily know how to do it. And I think that's one of the struggles that they'll often face. And are you referring to good questions to get to the pain? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, I would say solopreneurs, cause I coach a lot of them as well is that, you know, they're sometimes what I feel is their self-worth is attached to it because they're not behind a big brand. And that's where stories are so magical because people want to know like what, what propelled you, what motivated you, you have a backstory that led you to launch a business. And so people want to know that because that's where that resonance and that's where they can see themselves in that before that black and white picture. And I'm like, that's missing. 
So what are you seeing in terms of people that perhaps in, we'll kind of carve out this, the entrepreneurs, the solopreneurs now, what are you seeing uh, when they do introduce storytelling? What is that doing to their brand, to their messaging, to their engagement of their audience? It's huge if they do it right. And what I mean by that is that as a solopreneur, we get caught often in the tech, because I was a solopreneur, I've had my own businesses, we get caught up in the very technical aspects of what we do. Even if it's a creative service, if I'm offering some sort of marketing service, the reality is I still get into the technical details of what I'm doing. And I think to really tell your story as an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a salesperson for a product, doesn't matter what, you really have to take a step back and Think about who you're talking to and what is going to pull them into your realm. So when you tell a great story, what you're trying to do is pull someone in the audience across the table and make them feel they're part of your experience and part of your story. And if you do that, to answer your question, it is incredibly effective. But often I find most people, especially if they haven't been trained in this, really get bogged down in the technical details, which are important if you're talking to a technical person. But the reality is most oftentimes when we're trying to thread a deal through multiple people in a company, even if we're a solopreneur, we're trying to get in somewhere, we're often talking to a lot of different people. So how do I kind of create that memorable magic, right? Think about how does Disney do it? Disney tells great stories. How do you Disneyfy your company? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I hear what you're saying about the tech and the process, and, and I see it as well. And part of it is just, I think, letting go because it is creative and, and a lot of people that might be uncomfortable for them because they're so, especially sales engineers and that that's, they're, they're taught to troubleshoot, right? And they're just very left brain thinkers. And we're saying, okay, now shift to your right brain and be imaginative and creative. And like, that's foreign to people. And I can tell you when I, you know, I was in corporate sales for 20 years like that. <laughs> I could never, I wouldn't have thought of that because I was that very straight laced girl. And now I'm like, I am Disney. I'm like animated and I'm, vulnerable and I'm doing all these things, but it took, it took a while to do that. And and so what you're saying I'm hearing is that resonance with your audience. And I would say, you know, that's huge for B2B, especially what you, what you said about Disneyfying it. Like think about, you know, Gartner, the, the 11 people making a decision now, how can you disarm and gain consensus and just even bring, bring some of those 11 down to a level where they're, they're ready to engage there. You've actually got their attention. You're not going to probably get all of them. But wouldn't storytelling like really cross off that a lot of those boxes? And, and absolutely. And take a step back and think about those 11. Who are you talking to? So let's say you're selling an accounting product. So you've got the accounting team, you've got your CFO, you might have your CEO involved. Um, but who are those other influencers? So if we're talking about accounting tech to an accountant, that's not the best example because that might be a little bit more straightforward. But the idea being that if you had to talk to someone in marketing now, or someone in sales, or someone in customer success, or someone in HR that it ties to that product or service that you're selling. How do you create that vivid imagery? And I think that's really the key, is when we talk about technical details, we get bogged down in the technical aspects, the nuts and bolts and grease and grime of it. But the reality is is that if we can create vivid imagery, you're much more likely to remember that story yourself as the prospect, but you're also much more likely to retell that story to the other people of influence that are making this decision for your company if you have a great story. Mm -hmm. And I would also add to that that your audience will be able to reshare that story because they'll remember it, right? Exactly. Two things struck me there is, you know, when I think about neuroscience here and the brain's job is it loves visuals and pictures, right? 
but our brain's job is to predict and and it and it you know when you can share a picture of it, it you're helping it do that you're making it easy but also the the limbic part of the brain that makes the decisions it has no concept for language so you're painting a picture and and logic goes out the door and and you know data and all that stuff and so that there's so much science to say like story sell facts tell uh, you're 100% right, and you nailed it. And I think what's really interesting there, if we're going to get into the neuroscience of it, I love this. I can geek out on this all day. So one of the things that's really interesting is if you've bought a new car in the last year and you were shopping around for a specific car, did you suddenly see that car everywhere on the road? Hmm. Nine out of ten people are going to say yes. And why do we do that? It's because we're overwhelmed with information that we tell our subconscious mind what our conscious mind needs to understand is important. So we suddenly see that car everywhere because now we're telling our subconscious mind that that car is important. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about storytelling, but it's also how you deliver the story. And where I'm going with this is that most people talk in the same tone all the time at the same level. They're not messing with tempo. They're not playing around with pace. They're not playing around with when to pause. Mm -hmm. What happens is, is that the person listening, we talked about engagement and attention at the beginning of this, the person that's listening they hear their, their subconscious mind is saying, what I hear all the time is not important because it always sounds the same. So this doesn't stand out to me. But if you start playing with tempo, you talk a little bit fast sometimes, then you slow down to the point where it feels uncomfortable. Your prospect now, their subconscious is going to say, wait a minute, this is important. I'm not used to hearing this type mm -hmm. of cadence. I better pay attention. It's a pattern interrupt, and I love that. And I, I pause for effect all the time. And what, what I see is especially, and this is where, you know, I, in person and now in virtual, and, and, and people are, well, you can't do them in both. And I'm, yeah, you absolutely can. And if you think about, you know, three to five second pause, that's a normal delay in the in virtual environment anyways. So it's just, you know, I, I, I think that when we can really make it about our audience and remember for a moment that this might be the first time they're actually seeing this specification that they're seeing they're hearing something and we're throwing the next one down and it's like let that sink in like just let that absorb and five seconds seven seconds and then throw it back to them and get their feedback but when we're just barfing all over them and in a mon in a bueller bueller tone like what are you expecting so I love that. And I love what you did there. And I think what's really important to recognize is that I'll actually, that pause is so critical, but I'll actually say, I'll let that sink in for a second and then I'll pause. And then yeah. the shock and awe in their reaction. But, you know, all these ideas started to develop for me because when I first started sitting in on demos with no experience, having never given a demo, but just understanding engagement skills, I started sitting in on the first demos and realized that the prospects were off camera, or if they were, they're looking at a second camera. You can watch them clicking on, they're not focused. They're not, you haven't pulled them in. You haven't, you haven't made a compelling of enough of a situation or argument to actually get them to focus on you and what you're talking about. So discovery is key to really diagnosing the problem, but telling a great story, I will argue is as important, if not more important, because if they're not engaged, they're not going to get excited. But if you get them excited, you're more likely to build a champion. If you build a champion, you're more likely to get deal velocity through your sales process. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And, and think about, you know, a cold call. You got seven seconds to get their attention. Like the demo is the same. Like you said, the number one thing we're competing against is distractions. Yes. And it can be anything from like coffee, from like, you know, right now, Uruguay and Portugal <laughs> playing out in my living room. <laughs> you know, it's like the other person on the line has to grab your attention. 
and and I see people going on and they're and so just to bring it back to best practices of this is tactical for for my audience is you know what kind of lighting what kind of mood how are you showing up how are you inviting your audience to go oh like perk up and go oh, this is different okay you've got 20 minutes you've got my attention and when you don't you're not intentional you're not purposeful you set the tone immediately and you invite your audience to go this is going to be very like everyone else eh, I'm going to just go on LinkedIn a little bit here while they do this and you're controlling the meeting people forget that they think that the person who's graced me with their time is the one in charge of them. they're not it's your meeting mm -hmm. run it run it like a show run it like theater there's theater to this right? Mm -hmm. So you set the tone, you set the pace, you decide they're going to match your tone. They're going to match your pace. It's all, again, we get into the neuroscience of it, but yeah. um, it's not hard to get people's attention. It's hard to figure out how to do it out of the gate, but if you do repetitions of it, and then another issue, and if you're a solopreneur and you don't have access to a conversation recording technology like, like a gong or a chorus, I would record myself. I'd have my, my phone off to the side and I would record some of my calls, some of my demos. And the first one you're going to watch, you're going to stop three seconds in because you're going to feel so uncomfortable watching yourself. <laughs> but then the second time you do it, it's a little bit less unnerving. The next time, yeah. a little bit less from that, a little bit less, a little bit less. If you watch yourself 10 times in a row, you will be able to start self-coaching, mm -hmm. right? You don't need me to come in and coach you. You can self-coach now by doing that repetition over and over of watching yourself. How was your pace? How was your tone? How was, you know, when were they looking at your screen versus looking off, right? Mm -hmm. Little bits of data, yeah. but you can pull it all together and it's very effective. Game tape doesn't lie. And Game tape and doesn't I... lie. <laughs> and what I think there is, and so I, I say, watch yourself with the volume off. Because then you're looking at your body language and your hand gestures, and that's, you know, 55% of it, right? And even what I also say is call coaching is huge, and I think it's it's that willingness to get better when you can watch yourself. And like you said, the first one's going to be cringeworthy, and then you let you get over yourself. But watch your audience. Watch when they're leaning in, and, and I think it's important to know what am I doing, what am I saying, what is my tonality that's inviting them to do that? Because so many people are leaving after chance. They loved it. Well, what did you do? How can you repeat it if you are unaware and you can't pinpoint it back to what you're doing? Because then you can, you're more predictable and it's repeatable. And so I think it's incumbent upon the sales leader to really coach them and show them, model the behavior. This is what good looks like. Give them a video. And then it shows them, it's like a puppet. When I do this, they do that, you know, and it's just this human behavior. You're watching mirror neurons. You're watching like, you know, your when you say something, what they're doing, when they're leaning in and when they're leaning out, and you're like, okay, I lost them. I went on too long there. That was a monologue. How can I turn that into a best practice? Guys, at two minutes, too long. Check in with them. I love it. And I want to double down on that because you oh. said 55% of it's body language and I can't agree more. And I learned that because I was on stage on a cruise ship pitching these products. So I had to keep people engaged for 60 minutes. It's the first C day. I'm competing against the sun on the top deck. Mm -hmm. It's at lunchtime. I'm competing against the buffet. I'm competing against much sexier departments than duty-free, like the spa and the casino. So I had to, I started to realize the more engaged and almost um, caricature of myself, and I'm not saying to go that far in a business meeting, but again, I'm on a stage now. But the more that I leaned in, the more that my facial expressions and my gestures, the more I talked to my hands or use my hands to highlight points, the more effective, the the less leakage I had out of the store or out of the out of the the theater, 
that I was doing that in. And it's the same thing here, right? And I'm watching your body language and, and you're raising your shoulders and you're leaning in and you're using your hands subtly. Those are all very key and they are very effective, but most people stand there like this. Mm -hmm. They talk like this yeah. and they sit there like this. What questions can I answer? What can I show you about my product? Mm -hmm. And you know what? In their defense, they don't know any different, right? When I started, I remember watching videos and I was like that. I was like doll hands you didn't even see anything and I'm like what and now you know you have to be careful too sometimes I'm too too hand too much hands but what I what I always say is is that we have to reverse engineer it and, and I always go the KFD like work work backwards of what do you want them to know what do you want them to feel what do you want them to do and so when you can set that intentionally you're not leaving them to chance when I, I want them to know this therefore I have to do this I want them to feel this so when I can say these when I can tell the story and this is where, you know, it is a craft and you have to pause. It's like a good joke. If you throw the punchline in too early or you don't pause enough or you have to explain it, it's not a good joke, <laughs> right? So how can you do that in your demos? There's a parallel to stand-up comedy and giving totally. a demo because it's about timing. Yes. So much of it is building up to. So when we were getting people excited on a cruise ship about a certain type of product, we would build and build and build and build to a reveal and that reveal was now they were excited about that and it's the same thing if you're giving a demo if you're about to show some a really cool part of your product something really interesting you build and build and build to the aha moment mm -hmm. but you know that takes it takes practice but it also takes letting go and detaching and, and also just you know that pause that makes them want it Right. And, and you're making it about them going, if I can just withhold for one second, like they're the you, you the the outcome and the um, the result and the reciproc is so it's so much better because you've just waited. But but so often we can't and we just drop and I'm like, you played you just didn't play that card well. And that was such a powerful card. So timing is huge. And I think people don't think about that. They're like this. We're not in theater. But when you break it down and, and when you can share what you did and you were competing with huge things, you know, but but they came to you. So there was there was those things do work is what it's what it's showing. Oh, there's no question it works. And that's you know, I have over 10,000 hours on a stage and I can't I can't teach all of that body language technique. I learned like, for example, I just I find I geek out on this. My messaging, because my, my crowd was 85% American, but it was from all over the U.S. So it was from Denver, Detroit, Dallas. Someone from New York is a very different buyer than someone from California, mm -hmm. especially in a B2C environment. But because I had all this time logging this body language and the reaction to it, I started to lean in unintentionally to what the whole crowd resonated towards, as opposed to just one section of it. So yeah. it's just interesting how the more practice you have and the more you do it and the more you actually watch your body language, you can start to tailor how you deliver to be a more universal um, mm -hmm. opportunity. And would you say, Nick, that there's some nuances you had to pull to really connect the New Yorkers with the Californians? Or was it you could just find that common denominator that would get everybody? I think if I could, the Californians were very easy to get excited. But if I had to, if I got the New Yorkers on board... Right. Yeah, if I got no them <laughs> on board. So but it was interesting, a mix of sometimes I'd have to be a little bit more aggressive because that yeah. would appeal to, you know, someone from Manhattan. I'm just talking from personal experience. But then sometimes I'd be a lot softer and, and mm -hmm. more laid back. And that would appeal to the California. And I think what's interesting is that 
it's just having that range. Think of yourself like an yeah. actor, right? If you can have yeah. that range, sometimes you have to play this type of character. Sometimes you have to play that type of character. But I, what I will tell you is you go your company or you go to all the effort to get something inbound, someone interested in what you're offering. And if you're a solopreneur, how many of those do you get a year? Five, 10, 15, really, truly. And then you're actually, now the bullets are flying for real. Now you're on stage. You're presenting to the person who you want to pull the trigger and buy from you, mm-hmm. right? Each, I mean, what is the dollar value to that one-hour presentation that you're going to give then? Because what's that client worth? If that client's worth 10 grand, how much time are you preparing for that? How much time are you prepping and practicing and making notes of what worked and what didn't work for that particular persona? Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Yeah, no, completely. And, and I would say a lot of people aren't preparing, aren't putting in the time. And I can tell you, you know, doing keynotes, like the amount of work goes in is crazy. But that's where for me, that's where the confidence comes in, in that I know my stuff. I don't want to be over rehearsed because I also know that's an issue. But when but I, I feel that when you can rehearse, you can also be free. And when you're free, you can connect, you can engage with your audience, you can almost anticipate those needs. But you can read them because you're you're not focusing on you, and you can look outward and be like, Nick's Nick's not. He's I'm kind of losing him a little bit now. Oh, he's nodding here. I'm getting to see a little bit about these New Yorkers on this side. You know, when I do this, they do this. And I think when we're too focused on ourselves, our message because we haven't done the the work, we can't see these things. We can't read the unspoken, all the this stuff that you know that holds people back. Well, let's dig into that because the other problem that I see all the time outside of discovery and presentation skills is we always make it about us, Mm. our solution, our product. Here's the time or money or whatever we can save you. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. Your client's the hero of the journey, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about them. It's about their pain point. It's about, hey, listen, if I could really give you back five hours a week, how would you spend that? Would you spend that with your family? Would you, you know, what, what does that look like? Get them to start thinking. Um, but I think that's often, that's often missed. Well, even when you say, you know, the thing I laugh about most is most companies, they claim that they're so buyer centric and then they start a demo and they say, you know, we are the number one, this, we are end to end this, this is our logo. These are the people. And I'm like, really, you've spoken the first five minutes about how great you are and your customer is their eyes are rolled back. So yeah, kudos to you for being buyer centric. You nailed it. You're so <laughs> right. But it's because we get caught up. It's like, you know, when I started doing a lot of, of work in the tech space it was with a lot of technical founders because they would get so technical because they were geeking out on their own product. But mm-hmm. as the end user, is it is mm-hmm. is is the tech what sol- what problem is the tech solving? Is it solving a marketing problem? Because then the end user is maybe not gonna geek out on the tech unless it's just a cool concept, right? So really understanding that and really Talking to the prospect and, you know, like I said, make it about them, keep them engaged. And, you know, it goes back to what I said a couple of minutes ago. Like, what is the dollar value of that contract with that plane actually landing, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. put the time in, put the effort in. Because to me, this is the th- – th- th- you've got them this close, right? And think about that. If you're a solopreneur or you're an AE, what percentage get to the demo and then buy versus don't buy, mm-hmm. Right. Because again, all that time you put into getting to the demo. So I think if you take a step back and actually look at that from a 30,000 foot view, it might give you some insight into, you know, should I put more time into practicing my demos and how I present and how I tell the story about my company or my service? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you take that, Nick, and we back it up a little bit and say, look, we're controlling demo, you know, it's all about 
focusing on our audience. What are the best, what are you seeing the best uh, AEs or, or reps do starting a demo? Like what's the best practices to start to actually open a demo up? So when I first came out of B2C, so business to consumer, and I got into B2B, my first B2B demo, I was shocked and floored. And the second one again, and the third one again, because I'm like, where's the rapport building? Where's the opportunity to just have a, like you and I, before we started recording this podcast, you know, I grew up in Toronto, you're in Toronto, start talking about Toronto. That's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. We start to build rapport with each other. Like we lived in the same neighborhood in Toronto, right? So rapport is being built. And I think people are so like ready to jump into the sales demo that they miss that opportunity, but people buy from people they like Mm -hmm. and people like people who like them. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to give you a demo or a presentation, I'm going to look through your LinkedIn and not just at the superficial stuff. Oh, you're in Toronto. How's the weather? But what I'm going to look at is where'd you go to school? Maybe, maybe we went to the same college. Maybe, uh, you know, there's something that you felt so important about in your professional accreditation that you put it in there. Hey, um, Karen, I noticed that you took the three day contract negotiation course that Harvard offers online. What was the, what was the best thing you learned from that? Like, what's the key takeaway from that? I'm looking at something like that, right? So there's all this gold. I remember one time I was speaking to someone who in there had an accreditation to be a youth hockey coach. Who puts that in their LinkedIn? But man, in the first 60 seconds that I happened to bring up hockey, Mm -hmm. we talked about hockey for 20 minutes, five minutes of a real quick demo, and then five minutes of what are next steps. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can find, I'm not saying you have to do that. But I'm saying for the 90 seconds that it takes to go through someone's LinkedIn profile or really understanding their business or their space or what they do is worth the effort. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is if you haven't done a discovery call, you want to do a really thorough demo. But if you have done a discovery call or maybe there's three people on the call, you've only done discovery with one of them. I would recap the pain points to make sure that I'm actually talking about the right thing that all three stakeholders want to talk about, not just what the first person kind of lobbed me a softball about. Mm-hmm. So rapport and, and uh, discovery or recap for the other folks who perhaps weren't on the call. And, and I think the rapport, sorry, Karen, I'll just, I'll double down on this again. I don't, I, I'm not saying to use it every time. I might use it one out of five times. But again, the 90 seconds of doing the legwork, I'll do every time because for that one out of five times that it hits, it's so valuable. One of the most influential people in my career the last couple of years, we first met and I went through um, our common connections on LinkedIn, which seems, I mean, Karen, you and I probably have like hundreds, right? But I go through that Mm -hmm. and I saw my brother-in-law in in there. So it was in the first 30 seconds, I'm like, hey, do you know my brother-in-law? And she's like, oh my God, he's great. I love him. I worked with him at Sonosa. I worked with him for five years. Cool. He's nothing like me. But all the good <laughs> things about him, she superimposed on me now as we opened up that conversation. Yeah. Completely different conversation than if we didn't have that connection. And, and it just shows connection is what you said. It's because I think people get on there and it's just robotic. And if you even even if you've done 90 seconds you have that card to play and i think the theme here is know know your audience are they the type that want to get right into business then then follow suit but you know feel them out be okay to dance in the moment and that's one thing i see is people can't they're so lost without a script and 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 they can't feel the silence and it's just like just you know almost forget that it's a demo just think you're you're out for lunch with a friend like and there's there's that awkward dating silence like bring up something that you know to fill the silence. And, and that's just being you. And I think a lot of the times we put so much pressure on ourselves 
And it's just like, how can we bring it down and, you know, and just neutralize it? But I feel that rapport building does that because it also shows, you know, this person's a little different. They took, they took a minute and recognized that I was a youth hockey coach because if I put youth hockey coach down, guess what? I'm very passionate about that. And how much can you draw from that? I mean, you can go anywhere on that. Absolutely. And I think that's the opportunity that people miss because they're just not thinking that way. I want to go back to one more thing that you mentioned a couple minutes ago. And I think another point that's really interesting is once you've established all that, how do you actually deliver it? And you were talking, if you memorize something, it sounds very robotic. So when I was selling on cruise ships, we were selling basically, you know, 60 minutes of content for time. So brands were paying like literally by the second. So we had to have them represented every time. So what I would do is I would have my sellers memorize that 60 minutes up, down, left, right. And I would tell them like, you know, your national anthem. Can you just, if I gave you a certain part of your national anthem, can you pick up the next line? You need to be able to do your presentation the same way. But if you have it so memorized, then you're not thinking what's next, what's next, what's next. Then you can add some of the body language. Then you can add some of the, okay, I should pause now because you know it so well. So I just, I think it's important. I I really believe until you have it so memorized that it just flows without thinking about it, that that is something that I would focus on because it just, one, it gives you that initial credibility. But if you can get to that next level of now adding these other elements, it just makes the meat of what you're selling that much more effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good points. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of follow. So if you talk about the opening, I think it's very important, uh, the ability to connect with them. Um, what about purpose? I think now, you know, we're exchanging value for time and time is so it's worth, you know, it's a fleeting, fleeting resource. So it's like, how can you let people know immediately? Like this is the, this was a good use of your time. This is what we're going to accomplish. This is the goal. How important is it for people to share that at the beginning of the call? Well, I think it goes back to recapping discovery. And the reason being is that I fully understand your pain point. You have a pain. You are exchanging your time right now for my value proposition, which is I'm going to solve that pain. So I think the best way to do it or how I would do it is I would really make sure I understand, okay, I want to, you know, we talked about this or as a group, whatever, we talked about this, 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 this. I want to make sure that those are still the current issues that you're facing right? Mm-hmm. One, it gives you the opportunity to unpack. Maybe there's more, maybe there's a new stakeholder who's on who can go deeper into one of those elements. Um, and maybe it's not, maybe it's like, no, you got it covered, but at least they're aware now that I've put in the time to understand what their issues are and how I can offer a solution. Maybe I have one, maybe I don't, but I think it's so important to kind of recap the this. And it can be 15 seconds, 30 seconds, mm-hmm. but just make sure you're striking the right cord. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that just gets, especially if there's new players coming on, you have a baseline now that there was two not on the last call. One, we're all at the same starting point. We can now move forward and have an engaging conversation where all stakeholders can participate. And and I feel that's taking control. And a lot of people don't do that. They just jump off. And the other people may not say, hey, Nick, can we just, can you kind of recap where we, they'll just check out, right? So it's it's incumbent upon us to take control and let people know where we were, where we are, and where we're going. And, you know, I can tell you from my own experience, when I was solopreneuring, which I did off and on, you know, over the last couple decades, um, where I would blow a deal is if I had, and again, I'm thinking from a solopreneur's perspective, 
where I would blow a deal is I've been talking to Karen. I understand Karen's pain. Great. I've had three meetings with Karen. Karen wants to buy, Hey, just meet my partner. Yeah. Right. And I didn't go through all these steps that I've now learned that are normal or best practices in the B2B space. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would drop the ball. I've got the CEO who's the idea person, who's the creative thinker, who's bought into my strategy. Now I got to talk to the CFO who's actually the one stroking the check. And I handled it wrong almost every single time. And it bothered me for a long time because I couldn't figure out. I was like, maybe I just resonate. But I, I wasn't handling the personas right because in, in this type of selling I was in, in B2C in the Caribbean duty-free market, you know, the, the other person was the spouse, right? So yeah. it was a much different. And because it was so B2C and we're selling jewelry. So it's like, it's a luxury. You don't need it. It was a romantic play. It was a anniversary play. It was so, you know, it was a different kind of persona, but only later did I connect those dots of why I had failed when I had failed previously as a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. Mm. Multi-threading. It's all, <laughs> multi-threading it's, is key. Multi-threading. But, but, but great awareness, Nick, to even lean in and go, why am I not doing that? Versus so many people who aren't taking ownership of when they are dropping the ball and saying, oh, you know, it was them or they didn't have budget. Hang on a minute. Where, where, where did I play a role here? Where can I do something different? And I think that's also on us. We got to own our wins and our losses. And I think if we don't step back and look at why we lost, you're just going to keep making the same mistakes over and over, right? Actually, yeah. one of the one of the scariest things I ever did, and I've been on stage a lot, other than the first time I got on stage on a cruise ship, which is another story for another day. One of the things that terrified me the most, and I've been on stage a lot, was when I first got into tech and I took a VP of sales job and I'd never given a demo, not of a technical product. So what I did was I put a post on LinkedIn and I said, hey, who wants to come and critique and rip apart my demo? It's my first go at it. 40 four zero people showed up 70 percent of the feedback i got was amazing 30 percent i either knew or maybe didn't agree with or they didn't fully understand the product but it, it gave me a lot of learning opportunities but what was the key takeaway step and ledge will appear i stepped and was putting myself out there and getting honest feedback from this crowdsourced linkedin community right and I thought that was really interesting and it was scary and people were like, man, you're brave for doing that. But I learned so much from that and it catapulted me, right? So if you're a solopreneur or, you know, go pitch your product to someone else, not someone who loves you, not your partner, not your kids, but find someone, you know, a mentor, someone in the space who will give you honest, real, unvarnished feedback. You don't have to take it. But at least they might point out a few things here or there that are at least interesting and worth considering. Hundred percent. I mean, and that takes vulnerability, right? And but it shows the desire to improve. And and I think we always, as salespeople, like we're always learning, we're always growing, we're always developing. And it's the only way because the way we perceive ourselves is different than the way we're perceived by others. And the only way to know that is ask others. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're moving into the middle of the demo. What I see is a lot of people say, you know, this is our feature here. This is our feature. And it almost comes into an in-service and we're still not, we're still selling. We, we're not training. We're not implementing, we're not implementing the product if they haven't bought it. And so what are your thoughts on really, or, or, you know, are you seeing reps really tie it back to that pain point that they shared in that recap as to why we're here in the first place? And then even turning it back to the customer or the product to articulate the value. I, you just nailed it. I, I have no response to that. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what you should be doing, right? Just getting a temperature check. 
That's the best way to think, you know, are we on the right track? Are we sailing to the right destination, Karen? Right. And if we're not, let me pull it back. Or I'm sorry, actually, that's not what you wanted to see. But we do feature jump. We do feature dump. But again, if you can tell stories that strike the chord of the pain and then, hey, if you do uh, sign up with us and, and take on our solution, what is that outcome? What is that going to look like on the other side for you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, keep doing that. I mean, people want to make sure people want to understand that they're being heard. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't say that too many times. You can't say, hey, are, are we on the right track here? Again, does this tie back? I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, valuing your time here. Is this, again, the issue? So, yeah, tie it back. I, you, you see it better than I could. So I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. And even even on that, when people don't, and I had Matt Dixon on here the other day, and there was slight nuances where it was like, yeah, I, I think so, versus I got it. And there's that a little bit of doubt, and, and, and the, the best performers, the top performers are saying, I'm, I'm just going to pause there for Nick. Do, do you need me to go back? Or I'm just, I'm just, are you unclear as to, you know, what this is doing or something like that? Because that's, there's doubt there. And I think when we, when we skim over that, that's where we get the ghosting and all this stuff because there's something there that needs unpacking. But when we're so inwardly focused, we're missing. And that's a slight nuance because it's like, yep, got, got it, got it. And you're like, nah, yeah, kind of. And you could just see there's a bit of hesitation. And a lot of people are afraid to dig into that. And it goes back to what I said earlier. It's your meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So if you decide that you want to circle back and make sure yeah. your guest is comfortable, and that's how I always looked at it. And I'll draw a parallel doing a demo to working on a cruise ship. I was a hotelier first. If someone is giving me their time to come into my demo for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever it is, they're like a guest in my house. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel relaxed. Can I get you a beverage? Do you want water? Do you want sparkling water? Do you, can I, you look comfortable on the couch? Would you like some pillows? Is my dog bothering you? Right. <laughs> and I know that sounds a little bit ridiculous, but that's how I approach it. You are a guest in my house. Mm-hmm. You showed up into my Zoom window. It's my house because, mm-hmm. I'm again, I'm controlling this meeting. The minute I lose control of the meeting, you're not buying from me. So I'm yeah. in control, but it's my house, and I want you to feel comfortable. Part of the reason I'm going to make sure you're comfortable is by circling back and making sure you don't need those pillows fluffed up. Yeah, and I think it's even, just to build on that, is, is you're, you're curious. You're just like, it's not like I'm, I'm cornering you and I'm making it uncomfortable for you. I'm, I'm kind of confused, right? I just really want to make sure because you're, you want to really solve this. And if this isn't, if this isn't going to work, then maybe we're not a good provider for you. And I think when you can provide context, that, that transparency and that others focused, they'll, they'll open up right away and say, you know what, Karen? Yeah. I don't know if this is, or whatever the issue is, or it might be nothing, but you're just showing that you're trying to ultimately help them get to their end result. If it's not with me, that's okay too. But let's, 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 uncover that now versus keep on going. I can't tell you how many times I was not the right fit. And I said, I'm not the right fit for you for X, Y, Z. And that same person who did not sign with me wound up referring someone else to me. Uh, Always. It's, it's just the law of reciprocity as well. It's like you were so honest and trustworthy. Like I want to reward that if I can't work together now, and it might be an NRN, not right now, but I'm also going to tell somebody because I, I, I want to repay and honor that transparency and that, that honesty. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, we're building relationships, right? Every person that comes into my house or my demo, I've, I've already connected with them on LinkedIn. So now they're seeing my content. Now they're seeing et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. 
And it goes back to what I said earlier about the rapport building. Hey, Karen, nice to meet you. Just connect with you on LinkedIn. By the way, I noticed, right? Because mm -hmm. I want every person who's a little bit interested following me on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, another conversation for another day, but you should absolutely be leveraging <laughs> content and LinkedIn to grow your brand, to get more of these demos. Yeah. So, that, so increase your close rate on demos and increase your hold rate on meetings. But, but what you said there, Nick, is if, they, if you want them to follow you, you have to make it about them. And that's the irony. People think, oh, you want to follow me, I'm gonna, so I'm going to tell you how good I am. No, 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 no. I want to talk about you. I want to make you look good. I want to make you feel good. It's all the feelings from you, not from me. Give value. By doing that, value, by doing that then value. they'll follow you. Yeah. So, okay, so we're, sorry, quick cruise ship story. This is one of the ways okay. they used to give value to cruise ship guests. So if you get on the ship the first day, the craziest place is the lobby with the line for guest services. 200 people deep who've been traveling all day on a plane and now get to the ship. And they want to go see the ship. They don't want to be in line. So all hands on deck except me. I was a department one person. So you have the hotel director, the food and beverage director, all these other people. They're trying to solve problems. They didn't want to be there. So what I did was I would work the line and I would say, hey, not guest services, but can I just find out what your question is? Just make sure you're in the right line. Half the people were in the wrong line. And of those people, I could direct almost all of them to that two-minute line over there or that five-minute line over there. They were just in the wrong line. Never said what I did. Never promoted to come to my presentation. But they would be, you're so helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Look at my name. But what do you do? Tell me what you do. Oh, you know, we do the duty-free shopping. Actually, we have a really cool presentation tomorrow. You should come. 60 70% of those people that I solved that problem for came to the presentation. Mm-hmm. And they also probably said, you must be Canadian. <laughs> no, but I did get that a lot. I'd, oh, you're from Canada, eh? Everyone's so Canada. nice in Canada, eh? <laughs> Yeah, 100%. But think about that deposit, no ask. And what I would say there, Nick, is most salespeople now start with that, hey, I'm doing a presentation tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And they miss or they, again, they've made it about themselves. But you... You delivered no ask, and they remembered you for that because you were other focus, others focus. I'm sure there was a compelling reasons in your energy, your engagement, and, and you know that they said after, like again, that reciprocity. People want to reward that you help me, I help you. I'll come, sure. And when you've been giving value nonstop, when someone then walks into your sphere and now we're in yeah. your Zoom, it's a much different conversation. They're the one who's excited. They're the one who's like, "Thank you for your time." right? Flips the dynamic totally. 100%. So I know we're talking demos, but creating content, creating social proof, creating visibility, creating awareness, brand awareness is so important. Whatever you're selling, whether you're a solopreneur or you're selling a product, creating awareness is critical for success. But it, it is related because if you think about, you know, the buyer's journey, like the demo is part of it. But if they're unaware of the problems they're having first or unaware of how to find you once they do come to that awareness, what you know, it all leads eventually to showing you how, your, how you, your solution can help solve their problem. And I'll also tell you, I don't know if most of your listeners are based in Canada or if you have a global audience, but I will tell you as a Canadian, when I first moved down to the U.S., it took me a while to learn how to sell to Americans because they want to be marketed to. They want to be pitched. It's part of the culture. Whereas mm -hmm. in Canada, I had to be your friend for six months yeah. before we could even talk business, right? So I think that there's something for Canadians. No, but it's true. Tell yeah. me I'm wrong. So I think it's something for Canadians to really be aware of is that get up on that soapbox Tell people, you know, not about what you do, but what kind of value that you can bring to them mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to do it. And the Canadians I've seen who've had the most success kind of in the U.S. Um, are not afraid to get on that soapbox and, and wave their flag. So, 
and, and it's just again storytelling but sharing outcomes people are buying outcomes how can you help them achieve this how can you show them how you've helped others like them they 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 want to jump on that bandwagon um i, but I, I have I the same problem as that case study yeah yeah that's what you want that's residents right i mean think about even as us as consumers i can tell and when people i'm like man you got me there like and i'm like what was i'm like oh you played the mom the tired mom card or you did and i just it's so i can see it right but it works fantastic uh, w- one last thing, because I know we're at the top of the hour here. Uh, closing it out. How how are again next steps uh, oftentimes missed, but but again we're controlling it. And so often what I see is, well, what do you think we should do? You know, how do we? And and again, they're not professional buyers. They're an expert in their field. So I, I I see that relinquish at the very end, and I'm like, no, take them home. So what 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 should be d- people be doing? at the end of the demo to really get that momentum and those, the advancement we're looking for. Is this what you're looking for? Is this, are, do you again, paint the picture of, Hey, listen, if you did, you know, sign up today and we onboarded you, do you feel that these problems could be solved? And if you can't get, you know, and I never do the presumptuous presumptive ask or, or assume that they're going to buy from me and be like, so when can we sign you up? Um, although I've done a few, I've tried that a few times in my career. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I think what's important is a great leave behind, right? So how do I now summarize in a PDF or a quick recap video of what we, dis- mm. what we discussed? So all one time I sent a, a proposal recap into a prospect. I had 40 individual users and I sent it with a loom so I could tell how many unique users saw it. I went viral in their office mm-hmm. and I got that sale, right? Yeah. So what are you giving them? to what's the cherry on top, right? What's the dessert to the meal? And I think a really good leave behind, a strategic leave behind, again, persona-based if possible. Um, and then a quick recap video. Hey, Karen, just real quick, 15 seconds. Just want to make sure we covered everything today. So we talked about this, this, and this. Here's what you said. Fantastic. We're here for next steps. Mm-hmm. That's it. And the beauty of that, Nick, is that the reach it has, and like you said, because I, I use Vidyard, and when I send it out, to one person, I see 40 people. But when you get on that next call, Beth, who I've never met, is like, hey, Karen. And she thinks she knows me because she's seen the video. So there's that human to human connection. It's, you know, the second best to being in person. I've been at events where I've had a line of people like waiting to talk to me because they've seen the content. And they're like, I need to talk to you about demo stack. I need to talk to you about demo stack. I need to talk to you about demo stack. And I want to buy a Cartier watch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go watch shopping. I know my little Apple needs updating. Okay. So thank you so much. I feel like we're rushing out because we're at the top of the hour, but just first of all, congratulations on social social with Jen and will I'm, I'm delighted and we'll have to hear more about that. You have to come back. That's all I have to say. Anytime. This was a, Anytime. a rushed, uh, um, just an overloading of value. I'm going to have to get you on my show. Go to market this week. All right. Well, let's do that. I, I don't, I was a flight attendant. So I worked in the air, not in the, on the sea. So I have some stories as well, but just quickly, People are going to say, my God, I want to buy a watch and I also want to learn how to improve my demo. So where can they find you, Nick? So what I'd suggest is if you found this content today helpful, any of these tips or tricks, follow Demo Stack on LinkedIn. Um, that's most of what I do is create, you know, actionable insights that people can actually go and deploy same day. So uh, Demo Stack and then follow me on LinkedIn as well and say, hey, especially if you're from Canada. And if you come through Phoenix, let me know. Bring Tim Bits. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks so much, Nick, and we'll see you next time.